0: Mankind had lived and multiplied upon the face of the earth for many years, and it seems that their depth of wickedness and depravity only became worse and worse. There was great violence upon the earth, and men seemed to do whatever pleased them, taking no thought of the righteousness of God. What an awful place it must have been, but take a look at the world around us today, and what we see is a wicked place that we're living in as well. It seems that we haven't learned any of the lessons from the first judgment that God levied upon this earth. Things go on as they always have, with men on the whole taking no heed to what God says. In today's broadcast, evangelist Mr. Stephen Harper looks at this early Genesis account and applies it to our lives today. Yes, God still grieves at the departure of man from his holy standards. Standards that would only bring peace and satisfaction to the human heart. But man prefers his own way. Man prefers his sin. But we read that amidst the pending judgment, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. What wonderful words are these? Grace is what we all need. And the gospel brings this good news that you too can find grace in the eyes of the Lord. Let's listen to how this could happen to you. Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 7 says,
1: By faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house by the which he condemned the world, and became heir of the righteousness, which is by faith. By faith, Noah. Mr. Noah built an ark. The people thought it such a lark. I hope I'm not speaking to someone in the meeting this evening who thinks it's all a bit of a lark. The very serious consequences of sin. We thought about how that sin came into the world when Adam and Eve disobeyed God. That sin brought closure of the access to God. There was an angel with a flaming sword placed eastward at the entrance of the Garden of Eden so that those who had been banished from the presence of God could not return. I wonder, have you ever wondered, why did God prevent access to the tree of life? After Adam and Eve had sinned, after they had fallen into the awful abyss of darkness and death that sin brought, why did God not allow them to come back to the tree of life? And, and could they not, in the tree of life, have found redemption? Could they not have found life there, at the tree of life? No, sadly not. The only tree that could give them life then was Calvary's tree. The sad reality is this. Could you imagine a world... Could you imagine a world in which sinners lived forever? Could you imagine such a dreadful place? A world in which wicked people lived forever. That would be unimaginably horrible. Because when we come to the story that we read in Genesis chapter 6, that I've just alluded to very briefly from Hebrews chapter 11, because it would take us so long to read the story in chapter 6, chapter 7, chapter 8 of Genesis, I thought, we'll just get the summary in Hebrews chapter 11. Could you imagine if those people whom God had to step in to destroy, if they had lived forever, could you imagine such an unimaginable place? You see, whenever God said to Adam that death would surely follow his disobedience, God wasn't just speaking about the eventual consequence of Adam's sinning. He wasn't just thinking about the fact that his cold form would eventually be led in a grave. He was actually speaking about the immediate condition into which Adam would bring the entire human race. They would die instantly. They would die spiritually. And that's exactly what happened. And could you imagine just how horrible this world would have been if those wicked people had unfettered access, uninhibited access to a tree that would have kept them physically alive forever, yet could do nothing to change their spiritual condition? Could you imagine such a dreadful place? Because robbed of their innocence, humanity quickly descended into anger and envy and jealousy and hatred and murder. It quickly descended into arrogance and pride and sexual deviance. And could you imagine if God had let that go unchecked for the remainder of the history of the human race? The world that we live in is dreadful enough and people only live for 70 or 80 years. Could you imagine if those people who are perpetuating the wickedness of this world, could you imagine if they lived forever, how dreadful the world would be? Could you imagine if the Hitlers and the Mussolinis and the Stalins and the Pol Potts and all of these other dreadful specimens of humanity, could you imagine if they had immortality? And we're free to continue ad infinitum to perpetuate all the wickedness that they have done. What kind of a world would it be? What kind of a world would it be if God allowed you and I to continue unchecked in our sin and no restraint put upon us? What kind of a world would it be? It was a very toxic mix. And God allowed that situation to continue for 2,000 years. But Genesis tells us that God, as he looks down from heaven, he saw that the imagination of man's heart was only evil continually. Every thought was a defiled one. Every aspiration was contaminated. The deeds of men, as they went unchecked, became ever more selfish and ever more violent. God saw that the wickedness of man was great. In the earth. And as we think about God's pain this evening, because that's what it means when it says that it repented the Lord God that He had made man. It means that God looked down and He felt the pain of a sick and sorrowful world. He felt the pain of a world that was full of violence. He felt the pain of all that selfishness and all that pride and all that arrogance. He felt the pain of all of that hurt. And he said, what am I going to do? He looked down from heaven. God saw and God was sorrowful. And I take great heart in that, you know. Even as God looks down from heaven today and sees the pain and the hurt, as God looks down from heaven, I'm so thankful that we have a God who's not only interested in his creatures, but who intervenes in the history of his creation. And that's what the Genesis Chapter 6 story is all about. Yes, Mr. Noah built an ark, and yes, the people thought it such a lark, but God wasn't laughing. God was not laughing. God's heart was broken at the extent to which his creatures, the ones whom he had created to enjoy sweet fellowship with him, his heart was broken at the extent to which they were plumbing. The depths of depravity. God's heart breaks today. Am I allowed to speak in those terms? God's heart breaks today. As God looks down from heaven, God sees. And God is sorrowful. And a world that today is full of violence. I don't know how the violence compares to the violence of the days in which Noah was growing up. And the days in which Noah built his ark. But if they were worse than these, they were very, very bad indeed. God looks down from heaven. And dear soul this evening, can I tenderly remind you that God does see. And yes, he sees the world out there. But remember, he sees the world of iniquity in here too. He sees inside your heart as he sees inside mine. And the record is clear. There is no difference. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God and because God felt the pain God made a plan God made a plan I tell you it was a plan that it took God 2,000 years to implement please don't you think that God takes any pleasure in the death of even the wicked because the Bible makes it very clear that he doesn't it took God two millennia to execute this plan. What was the plan? I will destroy man I have made. I will destroy him. It was like the action of a doctor who's ever so reluctant but has no option but to wield the knife. It was like the action of a doctor who has no option but to use the most extreme measures in order to save a life. God implemented the plan. He said, I will destroy man. I'm convinced that it wasn't so much to condemn the world, but that it was rather to cleanse the world. It was to cleanse the world. A world that had become so defiled with moral and spiritual evil. And God has waited two millennia, but at last the time comes And God says, I have no option. I will, can I insert the word reluctantly, destroy the world? And you know how that the plan that God had was that the fountains of the deep would be unleashed and that the windows of heaven would be opened, that there would be a veritable deluge and that every man. And indeed, the whole, the entirety of the creation that mankind had spoiled, that mankind had contaminated, that all of that would be swept away and that it would be cleansed so that there could be a new start. You know, don't you, that the Bible tells us that God will again cleanse this world? God will not stand idly by. In fact, referring to this very event, Peter tells us, the Apostle Peter, he tells us that The world that then was, being overflowed with water, it perished. But the heavens and earth, which are now by the same word of God, are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition. That is the final destruction of ungodly men. I've been very hesitant to come here in my preaching. I almost want to apologize to any of you who are here this evening for the first and and haven't heard the messages that led us to here this evening because it was very much my burden in the week that's passed to speak about the love and the tenderness, the long-suffering, the grace, the goodness of God. But I want you to understand this evening that a good, kind, gracious long-suffering God cannot stand idly by and not intervene in a world of wickedness and sin. He can't do that. So while we're speaking about judgment and while we're speaking about cataclysmic events, while we're speaking about an overthrow that has already taken place and warning you about an overthrow that will take place because the Bible is very clear. The judgment of God will fall upon this world. I want you to understand, God takes no pleasure in it. And God has been very patient. And God has given every opportunity. All men are drawn to Christ. Christ is the Savior. He is the only Savior, mighty to save. And God gives you warning the see thing. Flee from the wrath to come. I want to speak to you about God's pity. I want to speak to you about God's grace. I want to speak to you about his great love. Because Genesis chapter 6 tells us Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. He found grace. And I wouldn't stand at this pulpit this evening. I wouldn't stand here. I, I wouldn't waste your time and mine if I couldn't say, with the authority of the Bible that's open before me and the authority of the Bible that some of you have on your knee this evening. I wouldn't waste the time if I couldn't say, you can find grace in the eyes of the Lord. You can find grace in the eyes of the Lord. You see, the writer to the Hebrews takes that story of Noah, that deluge, that cataclysm, that awful destruction. He takes that story And he lifts Noah, the character of Noah, and he says, here is one who prevailed by faith. He trusted God and he was saved. And if you were just to flick over a page, you'd see in chapter 12 of the Hebrews that all of these so-called heroes of the faith in chapter 11 are called as witnesses. But the writer says, now, don't get so preoccupied with those witnesses, this great cloud of witnesses. But lift your eyes and look off onto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross he despised, he counted as nothing the shame of the cross that we've been hearing about. He bore it willingly. He bore it with a view to all that God was going to bring in in blessing. Why? So that you and I can be saved. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. This evening you can find grace in him because Christ has died. Christ died upon the cross. Noah's ark is a wonderful picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because you see, those who were inside the ark were safe and secure. The storms and the waves and the billows, they broke over the ark. But everyone who was inside the ark was absolutely safe and secure. Why? Because of God's protection. You see, the Bible tells us that God shut him in. God shut him in. God closed the door of the ark. He gave the invitation. Come, Noah, come and all of your house into the ark. But when they came in, it wasn't as if Noah had to take the hammer and the nails and get some of the pitch and make sure the door was closed from the inside. There was no taking caulk or anything like that and trying to make sure that everything was nice and watertight. There was no such activity on the part of Noah. His work was finished. When he would made the door, he came inside and God shut him in. Aye, and more than that, I enjoyed this today. God brought him out. God shut him in. And God brought him out. Because Genesis chapter 8 tells us, God remembered Noah. God didn't forget that Noah, Mrs. Noah, Shem, Ham and Japheth and their three wives didn't forget that they were in the ark. God remembered Noah. And all the while as God remembered Noah, Noah was safe and secure in the ark. God shut him in. God brought him out. I want to tell you, with the authority of the Bible open before me, if you put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, who has borne the storms of God's wrath, if you hide in him and in him alone, God will shut you in and God will bring you out. Praise God. There's salvation in the Lord Jesus Christ and in him alone would you trust him would you trust one who bore the shame and the curse of calvary's tree for you will you trust one will you heed the invitation this evening and come to one who says come on to me all ye that labor and are heavy laden and i will give you rest would you trust him it would have been utter folly utter folly of Noah to try and find his own way to escape the waters of that flood utter folly utter folly for me to try and do the same and you'll excuse me for saying that it would be complete folly for you as well god has provided the means of escape and if you're in christ you're safe for all eternity i want to finish just with this god's promise god said I will set my bow in the Clyde. I was thrilled when I discovered that in the Chechewa language, the word for a rainbow is Uta Waleza. Now that doesn't mean anything to you. But Uta is a bow. The kind of bow that a hunter uses, that's Uta. In fact anything that is a bow shape is Uta. But waleza means a bow of mercy. A bow of mercy. A bow of grace. Isn't it wonderful that even in Africa, the truth of the Udawaleza, the bow of God's grace and of his mercy, isn't it wonderful that that little light shines? But what about here in North America? I wonder what that light shine in your heart tonight. Is there someone tonight who would be ready just to take God at his promise and understand that the one who says I will set my bow in the cloud, and we can depend upon the word of God. He says, come unto me, and I will give you rest. Is there a young person this evening, and for the first time you just come in simple faith, put your trust in him? An older person, maybe you're thinking it's too late for you. It's never too late. Never too late. I wonder, would someone tonight simply come to Christ, receive Him as Savior, and have this wonderful assurance, it is well, it is well
0: with my soul. Yes, it was God who shut them in safely, God provided the ark, and God closed the door to keep them in. What wonderful security is that? Have you entered into God's ark of safety, that is, the Lord Jesus Christ? Have you trusted him as your safety in the storm of God's wrath? You need to. And what a wonderful biblical picture of peace and security we have in the beautiful rainbow, a sign of God's covenant never to destroy the earth with a flood again. Yes, we have a loving and faithful God. Do you know him? If this or any of our Bible messages here at Anchor Point has made you aware of God's interest in you, or if you'd like some literature or a visit that would help you to understand these important truths, why don't you drop us a line at email at anchorpointradio.com. We'd love to hear from you. We're glad that you were able to join us at Anchor Point today. Anchor Point is sponsored by believers in Christ who are meeting at various gospel halls. Each of these Christian assemblies holds gospel services every Sunday, as well as other meetings such as regular prayer and Bible studies throughout the week. No collection is ever taken, and a very warm welcome awaits you. If you've been challenged by today's message, and would like to know more about the truth of the gospel, or of gathering under the name of our Lord Jesus Christ following New Testament principles, take a look at our website at anchorpointradio.com. There you will find more information, as well as the location, programs, and meeting schedules for the Gathering Center nearest you. My name is John Sharp, and thank you once again for listening. And we invite you to join us again next week at the same time for Anchor Point, where we believe that Christ alone is the anchor for the soul.